It's story time at Disc Radio. And then a story coming from us to you. Oh, it's been wonderful to listen to that beautiful introduction for the last couple of days as I'm doing this recording. Hello, welcome. And thank you for joining us in this, the final episode of Season 1, Disc Radio. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, final episode, well, this is the first one I've listened to. I would encourage you to pause here, go back to the beginning of the series, and start from there. Because everything we're going to talk about in this show is going to make sense if you've heard all of that. If you have heard some of that or part of that and skip to the end, or especially if you've listened to every single minute of every single episode and you find yourself here now at the end of this long and sometimes windy journey, then thank you. Thank you so much for your support and joining us on this awesome adventure through a big question about stories and storytelling. And I have another thanks to get out of the way before we start with our discussion and analysis and reflection and that is of course a special thank you to all of our guests Zina, Glenda, Constantine, Tara, Ojas and Sasha. It was wonderful talking to each and every one of you. A great opportunity to catch up or get to know you a little bit better. Thank you for diving in to the unknown and doing this experiment uh, with me. So I appreciate all of our audience and all of the people participating. And don't, I cannot forget to thank Michael, the director of the Dutch International Storytelling Center, who graciously recorded that beautiful intro you hear. Uh, it was a great day. And every time I hear that, I'm reminded of how much fun it was to work on Michael with this, uh, to work on this project with Michael. So thank you to each and every person who has been involved in this project in one way or another. It's been great. Now, what has been great? Uh, we had this big question that we set out to ask six different people. Um, and I want to look at three takeaways to this big question from the big picture as we zoom out and look um, back on what we've done. And then I want to talk about three small personal takeaways as we zoom in um on my experiences and then after that we're going to shift and look at what's coming next uh for you on disc radio and what you should be excited about because that's also what we are excited about so let's dive right in that big question what story changed your life uh sometimes phrased as what is the story that changed your life and i think there's an interesting discussion to have about the difference between those two questions and how um, we might see different responses because of that framing. A discussion let's leave to another time because it's very deep and very theoretical and probably even a bit silly uh, because the question is the question. Uh, what story changed your life? So what are the big takeaways? The first one 
for me, when, when I set out to do this experiment, and I use that word very intentionally, um, because we had a hypothesis. We had an idea um, that everyone has a story to share, especially a story that changed their lives in some way. And I wanted to really test this and go out into the field and see what kind of life-changing stories we got, um, if we would get them at all. And I think there we can give a big two thumbs up, big green check mark to say that at least in this case, our hypothesis has been confirmed. Everyone had not only a story to share, often two or three or four stories. They came out after they shared their big story. So not only was it a great question to get one really interesting story, it's also a great question to generate more stories. So a fun generative question um, that really confirmed what we believe and hold dear to our hearts, that everyone is a storyteller. We intentionally asked people who would call themselves storytellers, who are very immersed in the field of stories and story work. And then on the other hand, we also asked people who probably have never been asked to be on a podcast or never been asked um, explicitly, can you tell us a story? Uh, and I thought that aside from maybe comfort levels or kind of experience with podcasting and storytelling, that otherwise there is no difference. Um, that at the end of the day, humans are storytellers by nature. And if you put a human in a place where they feel comfortable to share a story, you're going to get a story. Um, and so that was really, really fun to see and really great. That really confirmed our hypothesis um, that we're going to continue investigating on this question and this idea that everyone has a story to share. So first big takeaway, really happy to see. Now let's look uh, deeper into those stories um, because another reason why I wanted to look at this question specifically was I was curious about um, features of life-changing stories. Are they all based on certain types of events um, or do they have certain common characteristics that we can start to identify and start to look at? Now, I talked a little bit already about hypothesis and ideas. Um, so let me introduce a second scientific term, uh, and that would be sample size, right? So we have a hypothesis uh, that life-changing stories may have a certain structure. They may have certain common properties. If we're going to test that hypothesis, we probably should have a sample size bigger than six, right? Like six is not very many stories to analyze. Six is not very many of anything to look at and draw patterns from, uh, especially if you want to apply those patterns on a larger scale. That being said, I think if we kind of ignore the, the sample size problem for a minute and we just look at these six stories, I do think we start to see some common properties, some common phenomena start to emerge, some kind of archetypes of life-changing stories. Now, early on in the series, in one of the episodes, I said something along the lines of, oh, it's really interesting that ego keeps coming up in our stories. When I went back and listened, I would like to remind myself that ego comes up in every conversation uh, because I often bring it into the conversation. Um, so there is uh, it's quite a bit of bias uh, to that word. And as I was going back and listening to these stories and to these conversations, 
I was quite surprised that I was the one bringing that word into the conversation. I have a hypothesis about where that comes from. Um, basically, at the time, I was reading a book, a book that I would say is probably not very good, um, that deals a lot with Freudian psychology and these kind of interpretations of children's stories. And most of it I would call uh, hot garbage um, and you shouldn't read it. And it's one of the reasons why I'm not telling you the book so you don't go out and find it. Um, but alongside that, in the book, there are really interesting histories of stories and how they've kind of evolved and where they've come from. Um, and so I tried to read it just for that and not get the rest of it. And I feel like that ego kind of frame of mind uh, sunk in more than I wanted to. Um, more than I was aware and it realized it came out in these conversations. Um, that's not to say that I don't think that other works in that field are not useful. Uh, a couple of times I bring up Joseph Campbell, who has a lot of his own issues with where the stories come from, how he's using them. I think an extremely colonial and extractive approach to storytelling and also very biased in its own ways. And we can criticize his work for days and days and days. It's also really fun and for me inspirational to listen to him talk about stories and the effect they have on us. Um, so that was someone's work that I brought up a few times and I just wanted to mention uh, that I really enjoy it, uh, but I don't often use it for, for my work and, and this kind of frame of mind didn't really come in uh, to how I tell stories until um, much later when I was doing research and looking out. So that kind of ego or any kind of frameworks I really wasn't looking to apply um, because we didn't have enough stories to really say, okay, uh, what are the components or what are the underlying themes of all of these stories? Uh, because it just doesn't make sense to do that with six stories. And um, yeah, that's, that's not scientific. That's not rigorous. Uh, so those conclusions wouldn't really mean anything. But I do think there are some interesting things that we see that may become patterns later. I think starting with Xena's story and going all the way up to Sasha's story, each of them addresses perspective shifts. Uh, I think that almost all of them, if not all of them, are explicitly about moments that a perspective really changed on a situation. And if we take just the first three, they are explicitly about how shifting perspective changes us in some way. Uh, whether that's through the stories we tell ourselves, uh, a story someone else has told us, or an experience that we put ourselves through um, to provide a different perspective. In the latter half, um, especially in the stories from Ojas and Tara, we looked at two stories that they'd taken in, two stories they'd consumed, that impacted their perspective on future choice. And what I really like about those two is we see one story that came so long ago that it was almost forgotten or that it's very foggy, and another story that's so fresh um, that is really interesting. You kind of look at how they react to the story differently and how time has kind of changed their interpretation of events. I know, uh, especially for Ojas, that he had messaged me a few weeks after his interview and said, oh, I have more to say about this story and it's really changing again, my interpretation. And I said, that's awesome. 
um, let's catch up in a future season and let's look at this story again and see what you say then and compare to what you said uh, a few weeks ago. So that's something else that I'm really interested in looking at is in the future, uh, down the road, asking a couple people um, to tell us again uh, a story to change their lives and see how their story differs and how they present it and how that changes over time. Um, but back to the point about the perspective. I think it's something that's come up in my work more and more and more as I've worked as a storyteller, realizing the importance of perspective within our stories um, and how shifting the perspective in a story can shift the interpretation of a story, can shift the feeling of a story, and can shift what we understand about ourselves. Um, so perspective matters a lot. Um, so much so that it's one of the driving forces in all of the stories I tell now. Uh, and how I change perspective in a story is really influenced on what I'm trying to do with that story. And so I don't think it's a surprise and I think it's interesting to look at it going forward. What happens with perspective in life-changing stories? Now, the last story I've left out to now, um, and I don't want to, don't want to leave Sasha uh, there without a, a little comment because I think Sasha's story resonates with me in a way that we are taking control of our own perspective um, where there are external voices and internal voices and sometimes we want to listen to one over the other and what happens when we go a different direction. So again, perspective played such an important role and that was a one of a internal perspective growing and taking control over the choice and giving some autonomy to the character in the story, as opposed to, as Sasha said, just living someone else's life. And so I think that story also is a really great example of a different way to use perspective um, and a different way that perspective kind of played a role in what was happening. Um, so yeah, that's something, like I said, that I'm really looking at going forward um, and something that was a kind of interesting takeaway for me because I had some expectations about the types of stories we we would get and most of those expectations were shattered um so right away we started off with xena's story about a breakup um and i expected to hear more of those kind of stories i think for a lot of reasons that are pretty obvious um people don't share them as much uh, it's difficult to share that kind of story in such an impersonal setting online um, with someone you haven't talked to in a while that's going to be broadcast to the whole world. Um, and there's just the personal aspect of like, hey, this is a heavy story. Perhaps it did change me, but that's not the one I want to tell in this moment because you're all excited about asking me, right? So, so I think there's all of these other factors that influence the answers that we got. But I also didn't feel that someone was not telling us the story they wanted to tell. Right. So I think that we got really honest, truthful answers um, and that my kind of expectation of gloom and doom or something, you know, some other kind of tone of story was maybe, um, yeah, from, uh, you know, a little bit not thought out enough. Right. I didn't kind of think about the other factors that would come in. I was looking at it from a pure story and change point of view and not from a storytelling as a social act point of view so again there are you know changing perspective and how we see our work and each other and, and how we interact um is really important and then the last big takeaway that i want to point at um but i don't want to go too much into detail because i want to leave the conclusions to you 
uh, I found it very interesting that when I ask people about social change or about what society or what we as communities should learn from their story, I found the answers to flow so freely. And again, that honesty and that comfort just came out in a way that I would not expect to get from those people if we just asked them that question first. Um, they had an, It was like they had an answer ready. Like the story had kind of given them the place to create that answer. When I asked that question, it was, hmm, okay, here, this reason. And I think each of the reasons was so important. Um, and I would encourage you, if there was one that captured you, to go back and check in with it again and kind of think about social change and what you took away from that story and how that story is going to help you change your life. Um, we talked earlier about this being a generative process for stories, and I don't think that stops with just the storyteller, right? Um, I think it's really easy to look at each of these stories and kind of say, oh, okay, that's how someone else's life has changed dramatically uh, in a way that they were willing to share in a way that really made them better. Is that something that I should apply to my life? Is that a change that I should endeavor for? Um, and I think that's something that's worth looking at. I know for myself, that's probably why I'm doing this podcast now. Uh, in this moment and not six months ago and not waiting for another six months uh, because I feel like there is a change that I want to facilitate and by asking all of these people how their lives change through stories maybe I'll find a story that will help me to make the changes that I want to see and so I would encourage you to ask yourself that question uh, and then go back maybe and check uh, what somebody said uh, what advice they might have for you so those are three kind of big picture takeaways that I just wanted, you know, I started this process last week, Friday, and I was going through and thinking, okay, it's been a week now, what are kind of my big distillations? And, and those were it, right? So our hypothesis that everyone has a story to share and that when they share it, it's going to be awesome and great. Uh, that's definitely true. Probably a little too early to draw any big picture patterns from it, from our stories, but we do see that shifting perspective is a reoccurring theme for now, though that may change, right? This may be the only six stories we hear with that theme going forward. Uh, and that these stories set up the storytellers for strong statements on the future of society and the future of our planet that I found all very inspiring and very worth a second listen. Um, so now let's zoom in. I want to talk just briefly about my personal experience uh, doing this project and what I learned as personal takeaways. Um, and I want to start again on that Friday uh, where I sat down and I blocked out a whole bunch of time and I said, okay, great. I've got hours and hours and hours. I have a whole weekend in front of me with nothing to do. Let's finish this. I got six interviews. Let's go through them. And I started the first one and I got about 30 minutes through and I stopped and I thought like, oh, this is, this is awful. I have watched the interview. I'm talking too much. Um, I'm trying to keep up where I should clearly just be along for the ride. And what am I doing? And I got so frustrated and angry with myself that I just like flipped the laptop closed 
like went and downloaded some silly games on my iPad and just started playing video games or watching cartoons or whatever just to put off the project. Um, and a few hours later, I was feeling a bit sour, but realized it'd been a few hours. And so I came back and I listened to the next 20 minutes and I turned it off again. Um, and then the next morning I came back and I finished the first episode and I thought, okay, well, that was awful. Um, surely the second one's not going to be like that. And I got in and again, I got to the same point where I felt like I was really struggling with doing everything at once and not really just centering the the storyteller and their story, but trying to do all of these other things. And again, I had to put it down and come back and put it down. And finally, I got to the third episode and the fourth episode. And by the end, I could go through the whole thing. Um, part of that was me just accepting and getting back into the life of listening to your own voice and going through podcasts and editing your own work. Uh, but a lot of that was also seeing the growth of myself as a conversationalist, as a listener, as a podcast host. And I do think that I am getting better. I do think that you can hear really clear improvement from the first episode to the sixth episode. Um, so that was really nice to hear once I got over that frustration and that like very heavy self-judgment that comes in with uh, my work when I, when I do it for myself, right? I'm not like that when I'm working on things for other people, but oh, when it comes to my own work, that is really an issue. And that kind of bled into the second part. Um, and one of the reasons why it's taken me a lot longer than I wanted to to finish this project. Um, and that's that pickiness, pickiness, that kind of naggy okay everything needs to be perfect it needs to be in a certain way um it's never good enough i don't like it uh, i'm just done with it i just just throw it all away you know i got really down on it um as i was going through the process now i have gotten better at accepting the flaws in my work i have gotten better at learning that things are better done than perfect but it's not there yet. I And now the absurdity of kind of my self-judgment is going to come out as I talk about it, right? Um, I sat down two days ago and recorded this episode and thought, this sucks. I'm ready to throw my laptop out the window. I sat down yesterday. I recorded this episode... I was a little bit happier about it. You can hear it in the recording that I'm feeling better, that things are going okay. Uh, and here I am today doing it again for the third time. Um, now, what's silly about that is that I'm upset that I can't get a monologue, a 25-minute or 30-minute monologue perfect on the third try, right? That's a bit ridiculous, Um because I'm working from minimal notes and I'm just here up in flow telling stories and talking uh, and the expectations I have of what that should sound like when I listen to it back are unreasonable and the expectations that I have of myself when I look at doing long-form interviews for public consumption which is very different than the long-form interviews that I do for my work um, or that the interviews that I did for podcasting a few years ago, you know, they're totally different kind of processes and I need to learn and grow and I'm never gonna, not going to be 
at the quality level that I want to be at when I start or even after the first or second season. But accepting that, living with it, and understanding that that's okay has really been a challenge for me. Um, and I feel much better about doing it now than I did even yesterday. Um, and I'm sure that this episode will be a little bit more palatable to me than the last one. Um and my personal rule will be that this is the final one and I'm not going to do it again and again and again because, of course, you can keep working on a story. But the important thing with this project and what I need to keep reminding myself as I work on it isn't my performance as a storyteller. It isn't my quality of production or the way that the intro sounds and how it feathers in to my startup. No, no, no. The important thing with this project is helping other people to share their stories that changed their lives. Um, and that's that was the goal of it. And that's what I need to keep reminding myself as I work on this, um, that it's not about me and my experiences and how bad I am at it or how bad I might think I am at it. But it's about getting these stories out there and continuing this conversation as we go forward. Um. And, you know, the other thing that I noticed and the other reason why I want to continue the show was that at some point, about halfway through the process, I realized that I'd been listening to the episodes I'd recorded. I don't want to say wrong, but I hadn't been listening to them truly. You see, I'd approached it like an editor um, where I just would start slicing the front and the back off and be like, okay, let's let's look at this from a quality standpoint. Um, where do I need to mute things? Where do I need to level audio? Um, you know, where do I just I, what do I need to do to get this done? And that was really frustrating. And then at some point I wanted to go back. I just kind of stumbled across the end of an episode where I always do like, okay, it's cut now, it's time to cut. Um, and then we have our follow on conversation and I heard myself in that moment and just that, you know, you could hear the smile on my face, the joy and excitement and energy I got from asking people this question and having this conversation, you know, this is the moments of my year, right? It's just pure elation and happiness and love as a storyteller. And I'd kind of forgotten about those moments as I looked at this as work. And so that's one of the main reasons why I want to continue this. I talked about in the first episode about how this is a selfish project. Um, and it's selfish for me to want to continue this for this reason as well. Um, that it does give me energy. The stories do resonate with me. Uh, and they are fuel for my own change and my own development. So... That's kind of my final personal takeaway. Um, and, you know, another thank you to the people who shared the stories with me and let me take that energy from them and use it for myself. Because that's been really beautiful and nice to see. And it's also helped me to understand my own growth um, as a person and as a storyteller. So... Season three of Discs, Disc Radio is really setting up to dive back into this question 
and analyze it from different angles and kind of see, okay, um, you know, where are we going to go next? Uh, but that's not really in order because what about season two? Season two of Disc Radio is already underway and I'm really excited uh, to share this beautiful big project that we were working on. Uh, it makes this podcast season one um, look like a weekend project in comparison to what we have coming up for season two. And I'm so excited to talk about all of the things that we've done and how we've done it. Um, but that's for next season. But I do have a little snippet from a conversation from one of the people who's been involved with season two since the beginning um, that I hope will get you as excited as we are uh, for what we're working on next. Yeah, um, my name is uh, Plön. I, um, I'm 51 years old. I've turned storyteller in Corona times uh, when I finished the uh, professional storytelling course at Masrab in Amsterdam. And before that, I was a clinical forensic psychologist. And actually, the way it turned out, I'm almost 80% of my time devoting to storytelling right now, which is a great turn, I think. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And, you know, a nice, nice change also with the change of scenery, everything going crazy outside. And you said, okay, well, I'll become a storyteller now. Let's, let's become crazy too. <laughs> yeah, let's become crazy too. <laughs> Yeah. what the heck and it's funny you said your you said your age and i immediately thought like well you know i never would have guessed that i probably would have guessed something closer to 21 um because you have that the energy and that youth um <laughs> that i always really enjoy <laughs> that's really sweet thank you <laughs> well you're welcome yeah, that's really nice um and one of those places uh that you're bringing the energy and and actually how we met um and been working together for the past months is is in our myth lab um yes. and that is part of the product of the myth lab is going to become season two for disc radio and i was wondering if we could give a little preview to people um if you would like to tell them a little bit first uh, about what myth lab is to you um and what we've been working on there uh, well, uh, to me, MythLab is actually a pretty new place to be. Um, uh, you invited me to join this project, which uh, I, I, uh, looking back, I had no idea what we were going to do, and um, <laughs> which is basically my way of, of, of entering new projects all the time. That I think, oh, that sounds really cool, and I, I do not get much uh, of the specifics, and then I just jump in, and gradually I think, well, where did I end up this time? Um, so MythLab for me is, is, is really a place to experiment, to extend your own boundaries and, uh, in, in, in interaction with other storytellers, which help you in a way to, uh, to ex make that expansion, which I really like because it brings you further in a very short time, actually. And, um, yeah, the season two will be the product of such a collaboration and, uh, for me, it is already amazing because I think that this time we we landed on a feat where which is inaccessible in a way to storytellers because we are all the way I got to know storytellers. Of course, they're very different, but they're also very autonomous people. Uh, they have a very clear view of what they want and what they don't like. 
where they want to head with the story, what their personal touch or feel or color of the story should be. And uh, in this project, we were kind of forced to come up with a plan together with six. So we had to agree on some things and uh, it took us three months <laughs> to agree on, on five elements of the structure of the story. And uh, that was an excursion in itself already. So uh, yeah, I think that was a wonderful ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been definitely really fun to be part of. Um, so to, to clarify, we, we brought together six storytellers about three months ago um, and we started from a blank piece of paper and the idea was let's tell a story together. Uh, and from there comes all of these things that you're talking about, the, the challenges of working in different perspectives and different likes and dislikes. Um, and I think in the end, I hope that we've gotten to a place where everyone likes the story um, because what we're going to be doing, is it next week already? Yeah. Yeah. Next. Yeah, yeah. So, so next week, Friday, uh, the, the group is going to come back together for one last session. Uh, and we're going to be sharing in there with each other our versions of the story that we've created together. So we have this framework, these bones of a story that we've agreed on. And then we've given everyone that creative space and freedom uh, to go work on the story uh, and to make it their own and tell it in their own way. Uh, and I know you've been working on your story and you had a little interesting tidbit for us um, about your story. How, how is your story progressing? So I, w I was walking the street to clear my head to start with the story and let the, the images come up. And I was passing an antique store and uh, there were all kinds of uh, pieces of chandeliers uh, on a plate, on a silver plate, pieces of, of, uh, of glass from a chandelier. And our story involves the sea. And the way that the pieces of glass were arranged, it looked like when the, the sun is shining on the water and you see all these moving lines in the water. So I, I, I made a picture uh, of this uh, plate and then an old lady came out of the shop and she wanted to know if I was willing to buy something and uh, I, I wasn't. <laughs> but she told me she had uh, a B&B &B in this house near a park and uh, I was wondering what it was looking like because I'm always interested in nice places and she said, you shouldn't come because I'm way too expensive. So... I, that got me intrigued, of course. So I said, how expensive would that be? And uh, she said, well, I, 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 I'm really, I'm afraid to say, <laughs> just check out the website. So I hurried home and uh, I visited her website and I discovered that behind this, this just normal wall of houses in Amsterdam, there was a palace, actually, where various painters had lived and it was all plush and, and lush and velvet and azure and, and it was amazing and I thought I have to stay there for one night <laughs> so I called her and I said do you remember me I, I came by I was I'm a storyteller she said yes yes I said I visited the website there is something in your palace that I need to experience because there's something there that I need for this particular story I'm sure that you have it in this house and then she gave me a nice price so I stayed there this night and it was it was amazing. And I, I got all these wonderful images that I could use for the story just from the house, from the vibe and the colors and the textures and this lady who was an aged actress. <laughs> uh, 
so um I think my story is going to be great. <laughs> it, this visit gave me so much already. Oh, I'm so excited now. I think it. I think it's beautiful that this story has already then created another story and given you an opportunity to explore a totally new place. Um, yes. And and now I'm just thinking like, okay, I really need to get to work on my story uh, because I oh. also I also took a long walk and and started to think about it and think about the other stories. Um, and I have the vague feeling that I got some uh, some inspiration. I had some great quote. Um, and now that I'm like thinking about it again, I'm like, oh, it's somewhere in the cobwebs. I'm going to have to dust it out because I did not write it down. <laughs> oh, yeah, darn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that not writing it down, that's been part of the, the tradition of MythLab, um, at least uh in, in the general sense, right? We've had, like mm -hmm. you said, it took us three months to come up with the story. Um, but I don't think that we were working on it for three months uh, straight, right? We were more come to the session, work together, then go home and, and let time and rest kind of delete the extra stuff and keep just the core. Um, and in that sense, I'm really happy of the core of the story and then all of those other details. Um, I'm really curious to see who uses what where it goes, how it gets placed uh, in the rest of the image. Me too. And I would like to add that in spite of the fact that at least I haven't written in these three months either, you know, just some small notes. Um, but the way it works out right now, now I'm really starting to get to it. I feel that in these three months, our discussions and our, our images and the things we, we exchanged, even if I would never have chosen them for myself, they provide a very rich soil in which it is quite easy to grow. You know, it is like you're, you, 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 you buy this earth from a garden store. Everything is already in it. Whereas if I make a story by myself, I have to start from scratch, really scratch. And this, this feels different now. Like it is in a way easier that all these layers are already there. I hope that was enough mix of mystery and intrigue and excitement and perhaps some keywords that you kind of fixated on, um, something that sparked your interest for season two, because I know um, as part of the team, I'm really, really excited. And thank you, Plun, for taking the time to share with us your story and, and where you are in our process. And those thank yous are where I will leave you. So thank you once again to Zina and to Glenda and Constantine, Tara, Ojas and Sasha. It was amazing talking to you and I appreciate your bravery and diving in to a podcast that had no format, that had no previous episodes that you could listen to, that had just one question and this crazy person on the other side of the mic who was going to dive into that question with you. Um, your bravery and skill as storytellers um, is very much appreciated, uh, as is your friendship. Uh, thank you also to Plun for, for the wonderful conversation. There is more of that conversation you will hear in season two. I don't want to give away too much of what we're working on until we have it all together. So expect to hear more from her and myself and the rest of the team that's been working on that. Thanks also to Michael for the beautiful intro and outro. Um, and thanks to you, the audience, for joining us on this wild ride. Uh, it's been fun. 
Uh, it's been a real adventure. Um, and we hope to bring more stuff like this to you in the future. Uh, so if you are in the area, uh, if you're here in South Holland, uh, in The Hague, uh, Rotterdam, Amsterdam, Utrecht uh, region, the, you know, the green heart of the Netherlands, please, by all means, uh, stop by at one of our events, uh, send us a message, uh, check us out. Uh, we'd love to get together, have a coffee, have a tea, share a story, see what kind of projects we can work on. Um, if you're far away or if you don't know how to get a hold of us, uh, you want to see more about what we're doing, you can go to our website, discstorytelling.com. Um, there you will find our podcast series on the Story Stoop, um, which is a nice name for a place where we put our podcasts. Uh, you will also find there our events. Uh, we're doing some mix of online, in-person. We'll be hopefully back to the beach this summer with storytelling sessions on the beach under the moon um, with the waves crashing. It's so much fun. I uh, really encourage you, if you are in the area um, and you have the chance, it's well worth the trip out uh, because it's a wonderful place to share stories and to meet new incredible people. Um, and of course, if you're on our website and you happen to stumble across the story supporter page, um, that's where you can donate. If you like what we're doing, you want to help support us in future projects. Uh, of course, that is very much appreciated, uh, but by no means a requirement. So if you just want to get in touch, uh, you don't think that you have to, to donate for us or that we're um, really doing this to try to make money. Uh, because I learned a long time ago, uh, that's not something you come into storytelling to do. Uh, it is a work of passion and love. And I really loved and enjoyed uh, working on this whole project, even if I didn't in the moment. So with that, I think that's about it for today. I wish you the best of the rest of your day. I hope your week is easy and your weekend is long and enjoyable. Uh, and we will catch you soon for season two of Disc Radio. Thank you. From the Dutch International Storytelling Center, this has been Disc Radio. This episode was edited and produced by Connor McMullen, with outro music by Boomy Goldson. Please tune in next time for more stories. But I do feel that it uh, it's much more than I could have come up with myself unless maybe I had taken 10 years to process it or something.